Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen you are now, 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 now listening to two, 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 the P13 Podcast. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to the P13 podcast. We do have a special episode for you with a man of many things, collegiate basketball player, corporate development principal, <laughs> CEO and co-founder of this wonderful app called Halo. He'll explain a little bit more there. We'll, we'll ask him on that. Um, overall, great human being, Mr. Eric Winters. Yes, Eric Winters. hello, Eric. Honored to be I here. I call him Easy E. Easy E. <laughs> Just so easy going. He's also a P13 member. That is very yeah, important. Forgot very to important put that on the resume. Part of that. Yes. Very well, important and valued member. That's why Long there's two of us here, though. P13 member. Long time. OG, I think. Uh, Even before I got there. Yeah. 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 He, he joined. I think you joined right when we opened. August yeah. 2018. Maybe the month after. Month after, yeah. yeah. Mm. Stuck with us. Has. Been through the tough, through the good and the bad times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's not many bad times from what I've what I've heard. No. No, it's great. No, <laughs> no bad, bad times, times at all. Never. Maybe we can edit that out. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we keep it. All right. Um, so today's topic is a very important topic to all of us in this room in some form or another the pandemic has definitely changed the landscape of our topic today and this is one of the reasons why we have eric in here the one thing that happens in that training environment that we believe in firmly at project 13 for sure is the human element so that's in human on human interaction without the digital screen. Am I, am I right in that? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, you know, we've talked about the importance of a group setting and the impact that it has on individuals development um, physically, but then also psychologically, emotionally as well. That's why we've brought Eric on this episode because he has expertise in that specific area. And we'll get more into that as he explains what halo is. Yep. Um, but so just kind of bring his expert opinion in and uh, providing perspective on how groups actually impact activities and actually providing some data points. Yeah. So Eric has this amazing app where we can, he can gather people together. It's like a group community app. Um, actually, I'm just going to pass it off to Eric and let you explain <laughs> this one. So, yeah. um, Eric, good. well, thank you. Thank well, you. First, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really like being here. It's great seeing you in the gym, but this is actually a really fun format. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Halo, and Halo is a, a platform for groups. Uh, so we consider groups our customers. And um, uh, I originally got into this because uh, for a long time, uh, I was like a lone wolf exercise person. Mm. Started on the classic training. Equinox, right? Ooh. I wasn't even that fancy. No, whoa. No. Crunch? No, like uh, when I was in New York, I, I worked out at New York Sports Club. Mm, I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, never I'm from Canada, so no. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no. Color. Classic. <laughs> uh, but for a long time, I would go in and do it by myself. And um, I remember I got relatively burnt out on it and took like, I had to take some time off and um, uh, had all the effects that happen to your body when you stop working out. Mm didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and so I decided like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to really focus on goals. Um, uh, I'll pick a goal and I will try to train for it. And the goal will be like pretty, like clearly defined. So the first one I started with was a running one, pretty simple, mm -hmm. run a marathon. Mm -hmm. 
lot of people have run marathons before. It's great, great experience. Um, and I wanted to do it in a certain time. Mm-hmm. Went on the internet, Google searched my training plan, like how to run a marathon and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Downloaded out of my phone, met like 70% of it, ran my marathon, didn't hit the time I wanted, but finished. Yeah. Um, and like, I really enjoyed having that, that like conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to apply it to other things. The last day it was like everything from like, I trained for the NFL combine. I didn't actually go to the NFL Ooh. combine, trained for the NFL combine. wonder how you would have placed in that. Probably not good, but my goal. <laughs> I bet you would have beat Tom Brady's that 40 That was time. my goal. Really? Wow. I want to beat him across the board. What was it? Well, do, you know, do you remember what his 40 time was? Uh, I mean, you could probably walk it faster than <laughs> <laughs> but he's oh, back Tom. in the bowl, man. Good for that guy. I mean, God. solid. Right, Dude is nimble. The longevity. It's crazy. Um, but uh, he's decent on the bench. And, you know, his uh, his bound is actually quite good. Really? Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but that oh. was that was the one thing that he did I couldn't beat. Um, okay. Uh, which so you beat him on the bench. Is like the broad jump, I think, is the technical term. Yes, it yes, is. Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, I got him on the bench. Really? So how, what was what was his 225 for reps? I don't even think he got one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you just had to do it once. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> Crushed it. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, the last thing I was doing, I was trying to learn to learn how to do a backflip. And um, uh, I remember I, when I was doing this, I was working um, uh, at like a big company at the time. And uh, there was a field. And I would go to this field before work, probably like 730 in the morning. And I would go work on my backflip. Uh, and like mine, you know, like grown man, like, I have like business meetings starting in an hour <laughs> and uh, I got my first one one morning. It was like the best feeling for like two seconds. Like I've been doing this for four months. It took four months to get the backflip. Got my first one. Best feeling for like four seconds. I look around. There's like dew on the grass. My feet are sopping wet. I had fallen like six times prior. So I like scrapes on my knees and I'm like ecstatic for two seconds. And then I look around. I'm like, I'm, this is I'm totally by myself. Yeah. This is so dumb. <laughs> like, what am I doing? And it, it just had this moment where I didn't just reflect on this, like, last five minutes or last four months of doing this, but, like, the last, like, 10 years, essentially. I'm like, I am sitting here by myself doing all of these, like, relatively dumb ideas. Like, what am I doing? And it was like, a, not like, like, what am I doing with my, it was like, what am I doing with my life? Am I, should, do I even want to go to work? You know, like, it was this really <laughs> this sick that day, maybe. surprisingly <laughs> down moment. Like, really, wow. um, this escalated uh, quickly. I know. It made me realize <laughs> that that while all these things I was trying to do, like maybe were cool uh, when I would tell people about it, or I thought, at least thought they were, um, that I was doing it alone. And that was miserable. And when I started to like research this and see like, okay, well, maybe backflip's an extreme example, but how would I find a running group? How would I try find a, a gym that does training groups? I started to realize that like, it was actually pretty difficult to find it. And, and not only that, when you were lucky enough to actually find it showing up for the first time was very hard feeling like you were a part of it took months. And to me, this was a huge problem because when you look at the, the course of like, you know, the human trajectory over, over a very long for time frame, we've always been together in groups. That's like a fundamental social aspect of being a human. Think about tribes, think about religious communities, think about small towns. These have always been these social structures that we've operated within. And then all of a sudden, the last couple of decades, that's totally changed because you can Google search a how to run a marathon. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good fit for a human being to continue to pursue that. And I feel like I learned that firsthand and wanted to try to do something to, to change it. So we, f- we founded Halo to work on that. Right on. And let me take a step back here. You're talking about all this. This is pre-pandemic 
like it's easier to go group stuff and things like that. Now that the pandemic has happened, what are some of the things that your app is is allowing for people to do during these times and to keep that group uh, setting together and try to keep people connected with like all the restrictions that the pandemic has altered in our current day lives? Yeah. Halo works mostly with in-person groups. So people that are meeting and our focus is when we say a group, it's, it's people who uh, actually care about each other. Like there's a, there's a mutual care for one another. That's how we define a, a high quality group. And most of the time that happens in person because it happens quite, quite naturally. It's possible to replicate on digital. There are really strong digital groups or digital communities that are out there. Uh, but when you add the definition of members of the group actually care about each other, it pretty quickly takes the vast majority of digital communities out of it. Most digital communities are focused on information sharing. The internet is great at that. When it comes to like feeling genuine, genuine connection or genuine belonging, digital communities struggle with that. And the reason is, is that it's like just 10 times harder to establish a relationship with another person in a digital format. Like in order to, to have a relationship with another person, uh, the definition I go by is, is from Brene Brown, who's a vulnerability researcher. She has a podcast, highly recommend it. She's also a Texan, total rock star. She also actually has a Netflix uh, hour-long uh, stand-up, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, she defines vulnerability as, as, as kind of putting yourself out there for uh, in front of another people where you may be rejected. Like something you may say or do may be rejected. And when it's not rejected, when it's actually accepted by the group or the other person, and more importantly, it's reciprocated, that's how connection happens. So to pick like a really crude example, like if I came, came into the, the, this podcast studio and, um, you know, I said like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to, um, you know, really excited to record. And you guys are like, oh, we don't actually record. Like we're doing something different. Like that may be something that I feel rejected and we may not form a connection. If there's co like commonality or things that we feel like we have like mutual understanding, mutual values as associated with us. Uh, then we're more likely to connect and feel like we can be friends or belong or, or have a more meaningful relationship with each other. And to me, that's what the group is, is all about. So to answer your question, doing that online is possible, but it's very difficult. Doing it in person tends to happen naturally when you have people coming together uh, over periods of time. It's just our natural inclination to be social with one another. Yeah, follow up to that. So you said it's possible to do digitally or virtually. Have you seen with the groups that you work with that they have been able to maintain the same level of quality with those relationships during the pandemic when they had to maybe go a little bit more virtual? Most groups that were in person to move to virtual is an incredibly difficult uh, transition. The work that you have to do um, to foster a strong virtual community is 10 times more, like an order of magnitude more than an in-person. So like if we were working with a coach, for example, a uh, coach of a gym, very natural for that coach to bring people together into their space, provide coaching, ask how people are doing, uh, and then they leave. And then there's not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to make sure I message every single person today. Or I'm going to make sure I follow up with every single person to see how they're doing or set up time to do one-on-ones with them. That's not, you don't have to do that. The in-person handles all that stuff. All of a sudden, when you're virtual, you have to do that. And that, that time and that energy and being proactive to have these digital conversations, both in a group format, but also in a one-on-one -on -one format, for most in-person leaders is very difficult to transition to. 
we find with group leaders that that uh, typically people are really good in person or really good digitally. It's very rare to be both. Um, it requires actually a very different skill set to be a great digital community leader, in my opinion. I can definitely agree with that. You have to be able to be comfortable talking to yourself a lot, especially when you're doing some of the virtual classes that we've been doing. It's definitely a different perspective because then you don't get that immediate gratification of like someone reciprocating back like, oh, that felt great because it's like you're hindered by that screen or the fact that there's like they have to mute. They might not want to unmute and be like anything. They'll just maybe give you a thumbs up or something like that. So it's yeah. you miss that instant gratification, that instant response that you have to that. And I totally yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I think that's something that we at Project 13 have experienced is, you know, we were recognized as having this extremely inclusive, welcoming in-person community. And when we had to transition to virtual, uh, it, I mean... I would say that I am not built for building those virtual connections, uh, you know. And and then when we when we started taking our classes virtual, one thing that you said previously sticks out a lot, and that is the reciprocation or the feedback loop that's created. And that's something that I felt pretty immediately when we started doing virtual, essentially disappears because it's not a two-way communication anymore. Mm -hmm. It's me talking into a computer that they're then receiving, but there's no way for them to really reciprocate that back. Uh, so, I mean, all of what you're saying makes a lot of sense. One thing I would ask too is, you know, you mentioned a, a good virtual community leader is someone that can do those follow-up messages and things like that. However, do you feel that some of the connection is lost because it because it's not in person you know i mean we all we always hear a lot about the importance of some of some of the importance of in-person communication is the nonverbals, mm -hmm. right and so is a message being sent the same as me following up with someone at the end of a class where i can actually read their body language they can read mine and take a lot from the conversation based on those nonverbals. Yeah, I think it's that and it's one step further. Like um, if we use the Project 13 gym as an example, what are all the things that happen before the class or after the class or that you run into someone on the street as you're coming to the class? That's the magic. Yeah. That's like where real connections happen. Um, while you're going through a workout, it's pretty difficult to like be having an in-depth vulnerable conversation with someone. But all of a sudden, like when you're walking the same direction, you're like, oh, do you, do you live around? Are you, are you walking towards Bush Street? You know, like, um, and you realize that you live in the same building and you work at the same job or you have a, you're in the same industry or, you know, like all of a sudden those commonalities start to happen and those allow you to be vulnerable uh, and share something that is related to the thing that you have in common with confidence that it's not going to be rejected because this person also, you know, you know, is an actor or mm -hmm. like works, you know, lives, lives a, a, the block away. So I think that, um, uh, the, the message itself is important, just like the workout is important, but like it's everything around that, that, that gets lost. A lot of times people will call this parking lot time. Um, you know, you, you totally, it, it's very difficult to replicate that digitally. Um, and I think generally speaking, like we've gone through this, this big experiment over the last year, like look at the digital tools we have, let's try them exclusively. Mm -hmm. How many people are happy? I would say... The founder and know. owner of, Z of uh, Zoom, he's pretty <laughs> yeah, happy. He's doing I well. Mean, 
Reed Hoffman is another example, the the CEO of Netflix, who you would think, oh, this he's got to be really happy too. Everybody's watching Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's like, this is a once in a hundred year occurrence. Like we're not preparing. He mentioned publicly that they're not preparing for this to be the new norm. They're planning to go back to the office. Like as a, co- as a company and as a culture, they're not, they're not making any changes associated with this. Um, and I think the scary thing is, is that, uh, you know, anecdotally, like I, you know, I joke that not many people are happy. I think that's true. There may be a couple people that are like excited because they didn't like their situation before this happened. <laughs> um, but, uh, when you look at the, the data, like the CDC did a, a survey over the summer and asked millennials, um, uh, how many have contemplated suicidal thoughts. It was 25%. So wow. one in four. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I saw statistic. you share that on your Halo platform. Uh, and it is, that is extremely scary. And I definitely think it is tied to the way that we've had to live, live for this period of time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think the digital tools that we have available today, uh, completely replace in person. M- maybe that changes in the future, but we've all just, we just live the grand experiment and it, it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Holograms. Let's invest in holograms. <laughs> yeah. You got to do it. Holograms would be cool. <laughs> yeah. But are there other things that would be missing from that even? You know, so the thing that I continue to run into as I've gone through this experience myself is that, you know, a lot of people say virtual is the way of the future and all this stuff. And I just don't even hearing you talk about it, you say it can be replicated, but it's very hard. I have not myself seen a specific example anecdotally that would suggest it's a one-to-one replacement for in-person. And because again, talking about nonverbals, even thinking of like what you smell when you're communicating with a person. So like that's something that holograms cannot replicate. And I mean, it might sound kind of weird, like smelling another person's body odor, but it's a thing that I believe goes into human communication from an evolutionary biology perspective, right? And I just don't think that we could ever undo what has brought us to this point currently as a species. I, I totally agree. And, you know, body language is another one. You know, like there are studies that, that suggest that body language actually comprises like a fairly large percentage of communication beyond words. And so that's very difficult to replicate as well. I believe the future will be a complement of the two. I actually do think uh, there's so many advantages to being in person. And honestly, like one in-person experience can carry over for such a long time because it can be so meaningful and profound. Um, and it can be replicated on, on, on a digital platform, but it's difficult to do. I, I believe the future will be a complement. There are some things that are better to handle digitally, like collecting money from people, for example. Yep. It's much better to Venmo than to like take out your wallet Here's straight cash. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes that experience. That that's like a good example of like there should be a kind of like a digital complement associated with this. Or like figuring out, you know, how many people want to go swimming on the weekend. Mm. It's very mm-hmm. difficult to do that in person. Like having a one-on-one conversation with every single person, ask them if they want to go swimming is, is hard to do. But on a digital platform, it's easier. So there's some things that I think will be really helpful. But the, to me, like I don't think it needs to be this one-on-one choice, you know, this mutually exclusive decision, like are you in person or are you not? Uh, I think there should be a world in which technology is kind of complementing uh, and facilitating us being together in person and, and vice versa. And, and at the end of the day, I think it will make relationships a, a lot stronger. So in talking about about groups and how they get developed and formed, um, you know, just before we start recording, you had mentioned uh, becoming a new member of a group and the challenges that 
that brings. Um, you know, and so you, why don't you share a little bit of your experience in founding Halo and trying to expose yourself to a lot of new groups and, and the barriers that you, you experience while trying to do that? Yeah. You know, I consider myself a relatively extroverted person. I would agree. <laughs> Easy E, that's how he gets the name. Fair enough. I enjoy, I enjoy people. But um, when I was uh, trying to run a marathon, for example, there are a lot of run clubs out there. And you mm -hmm. can Google search run clubs. I never went to one. And the reason was that, one, I would say, oh, you know, I have, I have a good group of friends. Like, I'm good. Um, and the second, and, and the thing that I probably wouldn't say is that um, it's pretty daunting to go to, like, a run club where you don't know anyone for the first mm -hmm. the, for the first time. It's, like, maybe the worst experience. I mean, the, the, the metaphor I like to use is, like, if you ever moved as a kid and you're going to a new school for the first time and you know nobody and you get your lunch tray and you're about to, like, try to sit down at the table, like, how are you going to pick which table you're going to mm. go to? It's Scary. like the adult version of that. <laughs> There's like all sorts of unknowns and uncertainties. So I think w when we were starting Halo, like I wanted to go experience that as much as I possibly could so we could try to make something that could help. And so I just went to a lot of group events. Like there was one weekend I got invited to a, a women's professional networking group uh, and then went to like a motorcycle ride. And then we did this like group. I went to a group with those doing like this um, group workout to hip hop music and then uh, like a running event on Sunday night. And so I would show up to these group events and most of the time I would know nobody. Um, and the first time I did it, it was like the most uncomfortable thing. Like I felt like a, I kind of felt like a loser because no one knew me. And You're not a loser. <laughs> You're not. Uh, Jerry's still out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would kind of stand there. It was very unclear um, who, who was kind of responsible. Uh, so I didn't know who to talk to initially. You would often see groups of people that were already like they clearly knew each other and it felt like they were like best friends and to like go butt in on that conversation. Like this isn't a professional networking event, like to go butt in on that conversation is pretty, pretty awkward. And so I kind of like stood there and, and honestly, like the first time I did it, I was like, I'm, I can't, I'm out. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. And no one, no one cared because no one was like, oh, yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Must have been lost. <laughs> um, actually, the first time I did it, the information online was like totally incorrect. So I was showed up and it was literally just me. <laughs> uh, but that's actually not the worst thing that happened. The worst one was uh, I showed up and uh, there was another new person that showed up. But clearly, like we weren't in the right information flow because no one else showed up. And that was the worst because we were both like another person knew that we were, that I, I was a loser. Ah, <laughs> it's yes. one thing to be a loser, but you know yourself. It's another thing when there's another person that also. Like, but you were losers together. We were losers. Did together. you yeah. talk to that person? Uh, very brief. It wasn't a cool moment where like, hey, you're a nerd. I'm a nerd. Let's be nerd friends. It, it was, we were both pretty embarrassed about it. So I'm just picturing one person in running gear and one person not in running gear. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the opposite of vulnerability yeah. and connection, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very, it's a very daunting and, and, um, and can be like a traumatic experience. Uh, and so what I like after like the 10th time of doing this, what I've finally realized is that. I just have to go and stand there and it's cool. Like I just like observe and listen and mm -hmm. just like kind of take it all in. So just take in like, what are the social dynamics? What are people talking about? Like, oh, it's pretty funny to actually see this other person super uncomfortable <laughs> right now. And just kind of like be almost like your expectation is not that you're going to go talk and meet a bunch of new people in the first five minutes of showing up to this group that you're just going to be like a witness of like a human social experiment <laughs> mm -hmm. and you get to just see all of like the kind of funny odd things that people do what they do with their hands 
do they look at each other? <laughs> Are they like stretching? Do they walk away? Does it look like this person likes this other person? And it's actually really, it starts to become really funny. So if you kind of like remove your ego, you remove yourself from the situation and you just act as almost like an observer, like yeah. you're watching a show, um, it becomes comical. And then what typically happens is that someone comes and says hi to you eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, occasionally it won't happen. But most of the time someone will come say hi to you and that's a very good opportunity for you to say hi back and ingratiate yourself with the group. Well, next time you're in a room with me in a social setting, I'm going to be like, is Eric watching me? <laughs> is he watching for all my gestures and my nuances? Like absolute creep. You know, you know, what's interesting is that most people, uh, when they're actually in a group and a member of a group, you know, typically group members, they don't have to be your best friend. You know, you don't have to do everything with your group members. Like you can uh, come to the gym, for example, and train with them. But that doesn't mean you need to go out to dinner every Friday night with them. Mm. So, um, uh, so I do think there's a distinction between being friends and being like members of the same group. And, you know, when you're members of the same group, like there is, you, you don't know each other super, super well. So there is still a fair bit of like discomfort, um, especially when you're like catching up and meeting. There's also a lot of excitement. So usually the group members like don't even recognize, like you're so focused on like not messing up your own uh, social situation that you're very rarely like thinking, you know, like when you're in it, you're not really thinking about being the third party observer. Yeah. Uh, So unfortunately for you, like it's only something that new people can do. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. He's gonna have a tally of how many times you run your hand through your hair yeah. at the end of the day. Oh, I've all the time. It's I've just so real soft time and feedback. Silky smooth. You know, <laughs> it's that lotion. The key is coconut oil. Ooh. Actually, not really. No. no, I tried that for a little bit. It didn't work. So, follow up to wrap things up. Yeah. Um, just kind of coming off, segueing from that conversation. What would your advice be for people that are thinking about seeking out some new groups? And, and what would you tell that person, um, you know, to, to help them not get discouraged when they may experience something uncomfortable like you did? Yeah. The, the ideal situation if you're joining a new group is that you know an existing member or the group leader. Uh, actually, an existing member is the best because they are there to kind of walk you through the process. So imagine if I knew someone who was a Project 13 member already. Like we just had this experience with my friend. Like what time do you show up? What do you wear? All the questions that you wouldn't even think to ask when you're going to a new group event, that person is there for you. Here's the, you know, here's the warm up that we do. Oh, like, no, it's your left leg, not your right leg to start. You know, all that, those types of things that you wouldn't normally ask. That person can kind of like almost be your guide and, and shepherd and, and host you through the first group experience. Most people aren't like fortunate enough to, to have someone who they know already who's a member of the group. So second, second best scenario is, um, is, is one like muster up the courage to go. Like there's so, there's going to be so many times, there's gonna be so many great excuses not to go. <laughs> you're you're going to plan it out. Like, all right, Thursday, like I'll clear my calendar. I'm doing it. I'm going to my first project 13 class. It's happening. It's going to be great. I'm going to be jacked on Friday. And, um, and then Thursday rolls around. You're like, you know, my ankles just a little bit sore uh, or, you know, I didn't sleep great last night. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I should, I should probably rest one more day and maybe move it to next week and move it to next week. And people will do this for, you know, it's easy to do this for weeks and months and let it drag out. And I would just encourage people to go and do it because the worst case scenario, if you really hate it or you're uncomfortable, you can leave. Like no one's making you, mm-hmm. making you stay there. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing is just, just do it. Just go. Um, like you're not going to, you're not going to get bit. You're not going to get physically harmed. The third thing is when you, when you actually kind of, you know, when you go and you arrive, it's going to feel really uncomfortable. It's going to kind of suck for the first five minutes. 
and just try to remove yourself from that experience. You know, like just try to observe, take it in, like, you know, in your head, like make fun of people or like, just like think like, Oh, it's kind of funny that they're doing this or uh, kind of surprise, you know, this isn't what I expected. And just almost like look at it as you're not necessarily there. Like you're just watching this all happen. Um, and you'll find that over time, like, um, people in groups, um, you know, one of the best things about a group is that it's a really great way to meet new people. Um, you already know that you have something in common with them, mul usually multiple things. Um, and people in groups like also want to meet new people. So, um, over time you'll start to see people like reach out to you or you'll find commonality with other people. And that's just such a great opportunity to start to form connections. Cause at the end of the day, like it's important for us to stay fit and important for us to be active. Um, but I also think it's equally, if not more important to feel like you're a part of something to feel like you're not alone. Um, because you're not, I think there's a great group out there for everyone. Beautifully said. Very beautiful. <laughs> Appreciate well, you, fellas. Appreciate you. In my eyes. Appreciate you, Eric. <laughs> Thank you for your time on this. This has been this has been great. I love this talk. This this conversation is great. Love guests, guest love speakers. Guests. We need more. We'll yeah, get more. We'll get more. We'll get more. But with that said, thank you, Eric, for your time and the talk, and we'll avoid the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really appreciate uh, being invited here and being a part of this. Love what you guys are doing, and obviously a big fan of Project Thirteen, and love being a member. So thank you guys. Thank you, Eric. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan, that is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga, that's C-O-N-W-A-Y-B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.